You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. Welcome back with us as we discuss... The Body Snatchers of New York. Yeah. You guys, this documentary was, I it was a roller coaster for me. It was, <laughs> it really was, it's only, okay, it was done in 2010. Mm-hmm. IMDb says it's an hour and two minutes along, but it was 44 minutes on my watching viewing screen. Right. And it was directed by Toby Dye. So. Yeah. It sounds like something out of like gothic like it's victorian Mm -hmm. or something like that like think jack the ripper times or like olden days but that is not the case this is uh i mean really recent the early aughts yeah yeah it's uh i don't know my first impression when i'm listening to it i'm like "Hmm, it's a big deal really but as you get further into it i'm like yeah oh all right that's not good yeah they really did a good job of not leading with the trump right like they kind of bury the lead and you're like oh I didn't really understand what the big deal is and then you're like oh right <laughs> yes crazy yes yeah it does open with scenes of New York City and mm-hmm. you know horns honking and people walking in the background you hear these snippets of like news articles or mm-hmm. news television shows and comments that people are making one comment I don't know if you caught it someone would said this is the worst case committed or worst crime committed in like the last hundred years. And I thought that's, that's a bit much, don't you think? Because we've had a lot of serial killers in the seventies, terrorists. Yeah. So I think this is always one of those creepy ones because it has to do with death, which is uncomfortable for many people. Mm -hmm. And it intersects with medical stuff. So again, you come back to this Frankenstein feeling or, you know, Mortuary sciences and things like that are a mystery to a lot of people because we don't deal with death very well in this culture. So I think it's Mm -hmm. like a little extra horror factor where maybe we're a little bit more acclimated to like horrible serial killer crimes, which is sad. That is sad. You know, that is. Yeah. I just thought it was a gross exaggeration. I'm like, just calm down. It's not good. (laughs) Calm down. I mean, this is coming from someone in New York after 9-11 made this comment. Yeah. Strangely enough, this is a highly sensationalized case. I Mm -hmm. would say it's got a lot of, you know, big draws for sales purposes. You know what I mean? Like, there are going to be a lot of things that people are like, oh, shock and awe. Like, oh, you know, so that's, I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. craziness. Right. We meet William Sherman, who's a journalist Mm -hmm. for the New York Daily News. And he discusses how he's the one who actually broke the story. It was front page news. Mm -hmm. He was having drinks with a lawyer who happens to be a friend, which I thought was an interesting way to state it, because I normally would say a friend who happens to be a lawyer, but whatever. I digress. <laughs> Indeed. And <laughs> the lawyer was talking about there's a funeral home in Brooklyn mm-hmm. where the owners and others were taking bones and tissue from corpses and selling it to three publicly owned companies. Mm-hmm. So that's on the surface seems like What? And then you learn a little bit more about what's going on. You're like, oh, it's not so bad. And then you learn more and you're like, oh, it is really bad. Yeah, which I think was really what made it um, a viable thing for a while. You know what I mean? Because 
this is something that a lot of people don't know about. Like we all know, but like mm-hmm. organ donation or transplantation, those kinds of things happen. That's why you vie in or whatever on your driver's license to be an organ donor. So, you know, then there's a discussion with your family and blah, blah, blah. But I think the extent to which things can be harvested from the body after death is a mystery to most people. We don't really understand it or realize it. And so like on the surface, it seems like one story, but when you get into it, it is very much more nuanced and complicated. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh snap, that's really kind of cool that we can do things like that. And really also the ability, like I said, because it's sort of hidden from view. Yes. Makes it kind of fraught with, possibility for yeah Yeah, somebody to be opportunistic in a bad way wow and we live in a society that that's going to happen no matter what no matter what you do yes you're going to have someone who's going to take advantage of the situation yep Yep. so let's meet michael master marino what a name all of them right can you imagine signing that or putting (laughs) it on a business card or anything and just gonna shorten that up i feel like he's got a stamp right like one of those (laughs) signature stamps a bolden time before there was you know docusign or whatnot yeah Mm -hmm. hilarious well he describes himself as having quadruple a personality and i thought oh he sounds awesome to work with right he's probably real fun super yeah but in 2001, he opened Biomedical Tissue Services. Yep. So it's the recovery of tissue such as bone, skin, tendon after death. And he hires Lee Cruchetta. Yes. Who's an LPN and a certified tissue specialist. Right. Working with an orthopedist. So mm-hmm. kind of knows all the big draws that people need to get replaced is sort of what I took out of that. Like, if you're an orthopedic specialist, you're going to know, like... Stuff in the shoulder that wears out, stuff in the knee that wears mm-hmm. out. Although I almost feel like I'm an expert since I've had three scopes on my leg. Anyway. You. I know, right? I'm like mostly bionic. I wish that were true. But oh, yeah, I think. Do you have music play when you run? I mean. Then you would be truly bionic. I have a phone I could project. Okay. But yeah, I think that that to me was a very interesting part because they kind of made the perfect pair, right? Like, so Michael's a, a physician. Lee has some of the practical know-how. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was kind of an interesting combo. I think for me, it was interesting to have that pairing because you have one that seems very opportunistic and one that Mm -hmm. seems like he really just wants to help people. Yes. Right? Lee seemed genuinely called to do it, to help people. Mm -hmm. He's the one who said one donor can help up to 80 people, which I thought Mm -hmm. was amazing. Yeah. So you have very different viewpoints on Mm -hmm. I guess the reasons why people are doing this Mm -hmm. and also both appear to be wearing prison garb in their interview (laughs) from the, from the go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. You're like, well, this doesn't look like a good situation. Right. We can see how this turned out really in the end. Very, very close to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this all kind of centers on the fact that Michael built a tissue bank from funeral homes that's where he got his specimens, patients, whatever you want to call that. So he was working with cadavers from funeral homes, and that's where we start this whole endeavor. Yeah. Right. And Lee made a comment, and he said tissue banking in funeral homes was an untapped market. And I thought, there's probably a reason for that. There's probably a better way to put it, too. Like, <laughs> it's it's just a weird way to say that. 
Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I will bring up, because I do talk about the, you know, the process of tissue baking later. Sure. But one of the things I, I read about it was even if the body is cooled, you know, shortly after death, mm-hmm. you have a short period of time of recovery. You should right. recover within the first 24 to 48 hours. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like by the time the body gets to the funeral home, a lot of times that's much later. So maybe that's why the funeral market had been untapped, that it wasn't as practical as it sounded. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's probably a lot of logistics, and they don't talk a lot about that in this documentary in particular. But as you go, you'll find out that they're not terribly worried about those details. Right, right, right. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. So we're kind of introduced at this point to Josh Hanschaft. That's, yeah. They okay. Don't, they don't write any of the names on the screen, so we're just winging it here. They pronounce their name, and I'm just writing it phonetically down. Yeah, that's me too. I've got different spellings <laughs> for the same name. I'm looking at you, Lee Crusetta. I've got that yeah. written down like 15 ways. <laughs> so thankfully, nobody's looking over my notes. I don't have to publish that nightmare. Oh, not so. yet. Yeah. But anyway, our friend Josh is the Kings County District Attorney. So he is the one who is introduced to this story because the new owner of the DNG funeral home comes in with a couple complaints. And right. the DNG is Daniel George funeral home, which I think it's funny that they call it DNG forever. And then just on one snippet, they get, I was like, Oh, scribbling down <laughs> right. Daniel George. So the new owner comes in and has some issues with I some other stuff, but I think really what catches their ear is, they mentioned there's an embalming room on the second floor that there's something going on there. They ended up later calling it the cutting room because this is where they're doing their harvesting. So mm-hmm. they start making some inquiries like of the businesses around this area. And they're like, again, I hearken back to like Gothic or Victorian times where there's just like a wagon bringing up a body that's then <laughs> hauled away in the middle of the night. It's very shady and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, so they've got some odd hour keeping going on there, which also lends to a little bit more suspicion of, of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. We also meet Anthony Dubain. Mm-hmm. He's the son of Thomas Dubain. And Thomas, his father, passed away from cancer. Bladder cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he had been a war veteran and all this. And, you know, Anthony had said that his dad had gone through a lot. His body had gone through a lot. And he just didn't, he didn't even want him embalmed, right? Because he didn't really want him touched anymore. He just wanted him to be done and be in peace. Right. So he he got like a wood coffin, essentially wanted to throw him in there as is. Right. I get that. I do. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I'm very much of the mind that once you're dead, you're no longer that person. So I, I see both sides of it. That comes up a couple times for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he said that he went to the DNG funeral home for the services and he said that he felt that they did a good job. He, he felt comforted. He felt taken care of. Mm-hmm. So I think there weren't any alarm bells raised for him initially until, you know, they kind of contact him later to try to find out a little bit more about the specifics of his dad's services. And some Mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff. But he seems like a real sweetheart. I mean, he's very emotional about his dad. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was just, you know, again, here we we are with death is an intimate and personal thing, especially talking about family members and things like that. And so, Mm -hmm. again, I think it's laying some framework for like the feelings that these people are going to have later when they feel, you know, completely 
I don't know, walked all over whatever you want to say about that. So Right. All of these things done to the body after is actually for the living, right? Right. The dead person doesn't know, doesn't care. It is to make the person who is still living feel better, feel right. more at peace, and whatever mm-hmm. it takes to get through it. Yes. Sure, sure. So let's keep in mind that tissue banking requires consent from next mm-hmm. to kin. Right. I find that interesting because... If I sign as an organ donor, does that mean that I also consent to tissue donation? I don't understand where there's a line and why I can't consent to that beforehand, but it, it seems like it's always the next of kin that makes that decision. I think it's more like the details of organ donation. So you consent to be an organ donator and mm-hmm. then your next of kin says, yes, you may take skin, you may take this, you may take that. I think that's kind of what it is. I had a family member that dealt with this just a little bit. So that was my impression. I guess I could have called him up and had a discussion about it, but that seems weird. (laughs) I know what you want to talk about. Your dead family member. Yes. Hey, you know that thing that happened that was sort of traumatic? Can we (laughs) we rap about that for a time? (laughs) But actually in this case, I think it was unclear how much he consented to because later it was found out that they took more than was communicated or they understood. So there was some of that. And I I never really asked any, because it's rude. You know, I felt like it was rude to ask. Um, And I didn't really have occasion to find out any more about it, but I was under the impression that what he agreed to was not actually what they did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your family member. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be hard. You're already trying to deal with stuff and then I don't know. Yes. So when it comes to tissue baking, there are some rules and regulations. The mm-hmm. FDA technically regulates it, but that's a really loose term <laughs> regulating because they only, I mean, of the hundreds that operate in the U.S., they've only actually audited a few of them. And a lot of them, they've only audited once. States also have their own laws involved. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's a whole to do. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't find a whole lot about the actual harvesting procedure in the U.S., but they did find some from the U.K., which I think is probably just best practice in general. But there's a lot of, you know, how the corpse is stored ahead of time, how long you have to harvest, Mm -hmm. what you can do. So you're supposed to use instruments one time only if possible. If not, they have to be sterilized. They're really big about not having cross-contamination, which, again, these cats didn't seem all that concerned about. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> once you once you remove the tissue, there's you have to store it. Mm-hmm. It has to be stored and labeled in a specific mm-hmm. way. They have a double container system right. there. And then as we find out later, when they send it to the processing plant, mm-hmm. they initially send blood samples to test mm-hmm. to make sure there aren't communicable diseases and whatnot. Yep. And then once the blood comes back clean, then they go ahead and say, yeah, we'll take the tissue, whatever tissue they're looking for. One thing I thought that was interesting they said later on is that you can't buy the bone. So I don't know if it's just bones or all tissue, but you're paying for the actual harvesting yes. of it, not the tissue itself. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting loophole is the best way that I can put that. Right. Like, I can understand that they don't want to monetize human remains. Body parts, yeah. yes. Because there's a host of problems that could come with that. Reminds Mm -hmm. me of the old urban legend of like a guy meets a woman and they spend the night together and then he wakes up in a bathtub full of ice only to find that his kidney's been removed. You know what I mean? And then, of course, they've sold it on the black market (laughs) is, you know, how that the horror story of that 
So you can imagine that mm-hmm. you got to be careful what you make valuable. So it's interesting to be like, well, right. we won't put a price tag on that bone, but the recovery of the bone, winky, winky, is mm-hmm. what we're going to, what we're going to do instead. And I was like, clever, I guess. So, so when I lived in Florida, they stopped selling alcohol at like one o'clock at the bars, but there was a bar that was open until three and how they got around it was you brought your own alcohol. You gave it to the bartender and had your name on it. And then you paid them to give it back to you so that you're paying for them to just serve you your own alcohol. They're not selling you the alcohol. Brilliant. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. They made so much money. I guess. Absolutely. People are so clever. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Sorry. That's just kind of what made, <laughs> yeah. made me think of. Totally okay. relevant. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of, in theory, rules mm-hmm. behind this. And for good reason, because this tissue is going into live recipients. Do you have the flow chart of how that happens? So I understand like you have somebody, the blood is tested by the processors before you actually send whatever you can get off mm-hmm. the body. Sorry, there was a big thing of thunder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the processor gets that. And then what happens to it from there? It goes to what process next? I don't necessarily have it written down, but they have just, dis- they discussed here that mm-hmm. they, the processor would decontaminate it. They don't discuss what that means. I'm assuming a lot of bleach. Well, they say irradiate it too. And I was like, that doesn't, questions about that. Proceed, sorry. But irradiation will kill a lot of things. If you think about it, you get radiation just for cancer, yeah. right? So it'll kill a lot of things. So they feel like even if they're, they being Michael and Lee, feel like even if there was something a little bit wrong with this tissue, mm-hmm. it's okay because it would be taken care of on that end, mm-hmm. right? And then I know the hospitals, then there's a whole, there's a whole process that they have to fill out what they need, where they need it from, where it's going and if it's compatible. Right. And But they did talk a little bit about there's money changing hands along this process. And I thought that was interesting too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just have some questions about, I wish they had spent a little bit more mm-hmm. time on what that process was. I mean, it's maybe it's not mm-hmm. necessarily part of the story. Maybe that's a short aside for me, but like, how does it get from the processors to the hospital, to the patients? I think that part's interesting. Yeah. I think that's probably more like organ donation okay. where there's a system set yes. up, a registry set okay. up in a system that they would go through that gotcha. process. I'm guessing. They do mention at one point in time that a a human body is worth about $200,000 with all the stuff you can harvest from it, which I thought, wow. I mean, can, can I sell it on consignment? (laughs) I could use that money right now. I think it's interesting too, because they talk about a long list of things that you can take from a body that might be usable to somebody else. So Mm -hmm. patella tendons, Achilles tendon, I mean, I know you can take corneas and all kinds mm-hmm. of like radius and ulna bones and all kinds of stuff. I mean, skin. Yeah. But there are rules. Mm-hmm. So the skin to be taken cannot be taken from like above the shoulders, I think, and preferably from the back because they want to leave. So the goal is no matter how much they harvest from the body, that body should be presentable mm-hmm. when it goes back to the family. Right. So any incisions should be stitched cleanly if large bones are taken, they should be replaced with a suitable replacement, something that would work, right. you know, as a replacement mm-hmm. bone, because that's going to cause more trauma. Right. Yeah, because you want to maintain a appearance for the family at the funeral, because if you think about the timeline, this yes. has to be done, yes. uh, you know, a funeral can be anywhere from 
what, three days probably at the soonest to a week or so after mm-hmm. death. So mm-hmm. the harvesting is going to happen before the funeral, which the family is not going to want a giant reminder that, you know, that things are different than they were before. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you been to a funeral and they're like, right. oh, they look so natural. They look so lifelike. And I'm like, that's a weird thing to say, but okay. Ooh, they don't. Yeah, they really don't. Yeah. Yes. And again, I think that it takes a special person to understand the importance and have the gravitas to deal with the deceased mm-hmm. in a respectable manner, because this is really quite a gift that you might be able to help someone, you know, mm-hmm. kind of that's in need of, you know, something that will help better the quality of their life, you know, so it's, I understand that you want people doing this that have complete respect and I don't know, just mm-hmm. kind of a thought about this, you know, this was a person. Right. right. You have to be respectful mm-hmm. of both ends. Sure. The, the person is deceased and they're giving this um, and it is, it is going to do some mm-hmm. good. Someone like Dana Ryan, we meet her, she had a herniated disc And when they went to replace it, they discussed that some of the bone they were going to use to replace it was cadaver bone, Mm -hmm. which took her back a little bit. But what took me back is the video of them showing them shaping the fucking bone. It grossed me out so much. It shouldn't have, but it really did. Um, yes, she was a little bit like, I like your phrasing of taking it back, but she did consent. I'm sure that they had a discussion about like, look this is safe. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a practice that is not crazy to do. And once she had the surgery, it really relieved her pain. Like they did fuse her spine, which always sounds scary to me, but you know, she said there wasn't, there was like some pain from the surgery, like the incisions and stuff itself, but it wasn't like the stabbing pain Mm -hmm. that she'd been living with from this herniated disc, which is basically, you know, the bone, bone, there's no pad in there anymore. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was a success you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she had made a comment that, yeah, it was an immediate yeah. relief. Yeah. I mean, back stuff is so horrible mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're just like surgery, please. Just oh. can I get that surgery? I don't know. I'm, I'm, you just feel yes. helpless. Yeah. yeah. I feel, I feel for people with chronic back stuff. Mm-hmm. The next stuff I have is the process to recover the material and send to the wall street traded companies. Mm-hmm. And I got a cup, a couple of them, but I don't know that I'm, I know Tutagen and Bioreclamation, I think was one. And then RTI was the other one I got. I don't know if those are all correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are just middlemen essentially, right? They take the tissue, they process it, they decontaminate it, mm-hmm. irradiate it. And then they're working with the hospitals and the registry, mm-hmm. you know, donor registrations and people who need it. So, but it's kind of crazy that they're Wall Street traded, right? That kind of makes it seem like there's... I don't know. Uh, it's a bigger business. Maybe it's the way I want to say that. Maybe that's not correct. I don't know how Wall Street works. <laughs> I I don't either. I don't either. And I think I'm glad for it. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, they, Michael had grown his business. It started with the Daniel George, but then he grew it into more funeral homes and yep. reclamation labs, for sure. lack of a better word, in, throughout New York and also into New yep. Jersey. So once you go into New Jersey, it's your big dog. <laughs> yes. I also like the point that, um, so our friend district attorney, Josh, as he's putting this case together, mm-hmm. he contacts Trish McNeil, 
who's in the Rackets division, which I'm like, mm-hmm. it's a great name. The Rackets division? Well, he's he was also in the Rackets yeah, okay. division. They both were. But yeah, she was like a bigger deal, like a big name. And right. he needed help. And he went to a woman because he knew he knows what's up. Yeah. And kind of at this point, we're also introduced to Mario Gallucci. Mario Gallucci. I swear to God, he could have been in My Cousin Vinny. I love him. Yeah. I'm telling you, that part was fun of this, uh, you know, for my Midwestern sensibilities that we got to hear all the Mm -hmm. New York accents and fun names and stuff. It was cool. But yeah, Josh subpoenaed documents Mm -hmm. from RTI, which is one of the Mm -hmm. processing companies, and got documents from the Daniel George Funeral Home because it has new owners now. So they have Mm -hmm. documents there. Apparently, the old owners didn't know how to spread (laughs) anything. But, you know, what's interesting is Mario talking about you know you know most of us like we have mentioned don't mm-hmm. know anything about tissue recovery and so he's like what the actual fuck dude because as soon as they got subpoenas michael gets a lawyer he gets mm-hmm. mario immediately and has to explain to mario that this is actually a legal mm-hmm. process we are not you know the way the newspapers made it seem like they were taking bodies out of mm-hmm. graves and selling them off to doctors to learn on like again from the 1800s right. but it is absolutely legal if you follow the rules right and also they have interviews again with michael or for mike and lee and michael spins a good yarn like at the beginning i was like oh he's you Mm -hmm. know it sounds really legit and i'm kind of like all right what is the um the big deal i think he presents this in he spin doctors this in a way that you're like maybe on his side a little bit, or at least I was like mm-hmm. waiting for the other shoe to drop because from what they started off with, I was wondering where the smoking gun was. Like, what are they doing that's wrong? Right. And I figured that what they were doing that was wrong was they were not getting consent from the family members. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they were taking these body parts and tissues without consent, which as mm-hmm. we all know, Unless you're a woman, then you can take whatever you want. But for a man, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you can't take anything from a dead body mm-hmm. without consent. And so I thought, okay, that's not cool. But then again, the body is dead and you are using it to help other people. So it's not really horrible. It's not the worst thing ever, right? Right. Yeah. So I thought too, like there's a problem with the paperwork. Right. And there was, that's not inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But then we kind of start to find out, as they start to talk to the families about the consent, was that 99% of the families didn't consent. That's a lot of mm-hmm. non-consent. Yeah, that is. Mm-hmm. This kind of culminates when they do an exhumation of Thomas Domain, which is Anthony's dad. Mm-hmm. And they show these kind of horrific x-rays that, that show that... They've removed bone from his body and they have replaced it with PVC pipe. Mm -hmm. Again, we kind of talked earlier about if you have to put the body back together in such a way that it is presentable at the funerals. This is not shocking to me that they had to pack it with something different. But again, it makes a very sensational x-ray. Right. Especially if you hadn't consented, it would be extremely Mm -hmm. jarring as a family member. So, I mean, like I said, I again, have the wonderful uh, ability to sit back and I am not wholly affected by this other than it's a crazy story. It wasn't my loved one or whatever, but I can see like, this is kind mm-hmm. of what the process is. And this is kind of the family's perspective, but again, they didn't consent. So yikes. Right. 
another example was Susan Cook. Her father mm-hmm. was Alistair Cook, who's apparently um, a big television personality or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's some kind of a re- religious famous guy. He'd written some books or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she also found out that they had taken bone and stuff from her father that they had mm-hmm. had cremated later. So I find mm-hmm. it interesting that she, I don't think she was necessarily upset that they took the bone. They took it without consent, but she also made the comment that her father died of cancer. It was lung cancer that had metastasized yes. into his bones. Yeah. And she's like, I wouldn't want those fucking bones in my body. Yeah. And we discussed that the cancer shouldn't go into your body as a recipient because it should have been killed by the irradiation, but still, we meet a doctor later on that discusses even if that isn't communicable, the bones are more brittle mm-hmm. and any treatments they take can affect how strong the bone is. And mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there. Well, especially he's 95. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you you can be in great health for 95 and what you have to offer is a donor may not be appropriate for someone much younger. I mean, like if the bones are brittle and they're, mm-hmm. they don't heal the same way, they don't act the same way. I mean, that's not a great situation. Right. Also, they falsified the documentation for Alistair saying he was 85, which is not a whole lot better, but somewhat better. I guess like they, they had to mm-hmm. falsify it. I don't know. It seems like there was maybe a threshold there and I don't know. It just seems like, a weird falsification to me. But yeah, he said like the the doctor later yeah. says the surface area of the bone is different if they've received like cancer treatments or whatever. And they just, it just doesn't behave the same mm-hmm. as bone that's not, you know, had some kind of disease. So that's crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. And think of females bones as we get older, especially females, but some men too yeah. have calcium deficiencies and our bones mm-hmm. get very brittle. Mm-hmm. So it's just a big mess. And it's interesting to hear Michael talk about it because he's like yeah 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 essentially he's like uh, he knew that it wouldn't be a problem because everything would be decontaminated but clearly there was more going on he was simplifying it to make himself feel better about doing these things well it made me kind of think of like uh, think back to our Boeing documentary and they were talking about like Mm -hmm. we don't have one fail safe for these large you know big system processes, right? We have more than one. So he's mm-hmm. by stepping a bunch of the other critical safety bits because mm-hmm. he thinks that this one irradiation step or cleansing step or whatever you want to call it will catch everything. But if he is cutting corners, how do we know that people down the line were also cutting corners? I mean, if it's not regulated, nobody's checking. Right. I think that's just a big assumption. Or very, very loosely scary. regulated. Yeah. yeah. It is. It is frustrating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they mention it later that this is one part of the problem. He's just a cog in the Mm -hmm. wheel of a larger Mm -hmm. problem because you have these processing companies that are also out to make a lot of money and they can get his parts for cheaper probably because he's cutting corners Mm -hmm. and then they can sell it for the same amount and make more money. Everyone wins except for the person who gets the body part. Um, They said that there were up to a thousand bodies. They found records associated with a thousand bodies Mm -hmm. that had been treated in such a way. And the funeral home was selling the bodies to Michael for about a thousand bucks a piece. So it's, that's a thousand dollars profit. They don't really have to take any action there. It's just like, well, here you go, you know, and that's kind of callous. Doesn't feel real great. So. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think being in the funeral 
service. I was going to call it the arts, but it's really not. Well, they call it mortuary arts, right? Or sciences, mortuary sciences. Oh, there you go. I don't know. Sciences. Yeah. It's more of a science, but I feel like you have to be, like you said, a very specific type of person. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a funeral director and you're dealing with the families, that's even a very different type of skill set. You need to have those soft skills. You need to be able to work with people. And I would think you would have some fucking empathy, but apparently not when there's money. I guess. Yeah. This is about the time we find out that Dana gets a letter Mm -hmm. telling her that the FDA has found these problems and that she needs to be screened for infectious diseases. She had to be tested for HIV, hepatitis, and syphilis. I feel like that's a small list. Like there should be a longer list to be tested for, but what do I know? I don't know. I mean, they don't really go into that of why these were the three. I mean, like there's treatment for syphilis for most cases, I think. Um, There's treatment for HIV and hep B is not, you know, the heps are not great. Yeah. There's treatment if you want to mortgage your house to pay for it. Right. There is. But nonetheless, I mean, she thought that this was a great safe option. And it turns out now that your like worst fears mm-hmm. are realized, right? That you've been potentially exposed to something that could uh, be fatal. Yeah. So that's right. crazy. And she does get her yeah. test results back. And what does she, what do they show? So she's been exposed to hepatitis B and it's a liver disease and it's potentially fatal. And she's not pleased. She's not happy about it. Mm-hmm. So which I don't blame her no. one bit. I don't either. Yeah. I don't either. I was kind of hoping we could maybe talk about some of the family impact part of this. Okay. So the families talk about kind of how they felt once they found out that their loved ones were harvested in this way. And some of them, you know, seem to really be upset about it. And I thought, you know, people's feelings are people's feelings and you're totally allowed to be upset Mm -hmm. about this. But I really thought it was interesting, like the level of impact that seems to have been prevalent here. So people talk about like they had nightmares, they think about it every day, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought that was really interesting because like you said, I'm like, the person isn't there anymore. They didn't experience this per se. So I, I thought that was really interesting too. I don't know, kind of delve into that. Right. And I think one of the things that they had discussed was because they didn't understand what the process was. Mm -hmm. They have these grotesque images of what probably happened Mm -hmm. versus the actuality of it. And so with little knowledge, our brain fills in those gaps with usually the worst Mm -hmm. case scenario. So you just assume that your loved one's body is being violated in every which way. Mm -hmm. And Lee does volunteer later at the end um, it discusses how lee has volunteered to discuss with all the family members if they want to meet with him and he can discuss the process to kind of help them come to terms Mm -hmm. with it and realize what Mm -hmm. happened and it was done with respect which i thought was pretty cool considering what he did was kind of shitty but i appreciate he was trying to kind of atone for that i saw the same thing he's voluntarily written to them and then offered to Mm -hmm. you know work with them to address some of this, which I agree of, of all the people in this, on that side of it, I had some empathy for him. I thought he was trying to do a good job with a bad situation. Right. right. But yeah, I thought it was interesting when people are like, I mean, we've run across this a couple of times where I'm like, how it's, it's just really funny. Cause I, it's hard for me to understand without being in their position. Let's say it like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's not real. It's just, 
something I would not have thought yeah. of. So Right. I agree. I think the initial shock mm-hmm. and the initial being upset because you didn't consent, you didn't know, and this is something that happened against your will. Like Anthony had said, he felt like he didn't protect his right. father again. Right. And that I get, but the whole lifelong forever, I'll be having nightmares about this. I, I don't understand. And I hope, hope, hope they get a really good therapist. I agree. But some of the language the prosecuting attorneys talk about is like the family's lives were ruined. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> just, is this right. like a little lawyering? Is that what's happening here? So I just found that part kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Michael Lee and two others, I did not get their names, mm-hmm. turned themselves in. Yep. They were indicted on 122 counts, the most serious of which was enterprise corruption. That's interesting to me that that's the most serious of these charges. But for that charge alone, they could get up to 25 years. And our friend Mario says that that's kind of a strong charge. But I think it's interesting because the victim's families, Dana is another one who's like, I don't think that's enough. Right. She's got a lifetime sentence. Yes, exactly. So it was, it was interesting. But that's something they usually charge people who are in like card sharks or like gambling things or something like that it's not a typical Mm -hmm. charge so I thought that was kind of interesting yeah so Mario discusses how he was with Michael all the way up to a certain point right he's like he's innocent we're gonna beat this they don't have a Mm -hmm. smoking gun Mm -hmm. they haven't really given him everything until they find out about the DNA yes so what was going on with the DNA Erin so we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier that Initially, to screen, a blood sample from the cadaver was sent to the processor. The processor then screens for infectious disease. If the blood comes back clean, then they contact the harvester and they say, hey, everything's cool. We would like to have, you know, stuff and things from this body. But they find out that the blood does not match the tissue So in essence, what they were doing was they had vials of clean blood that they were sending samples to the processor. The processor would, you know, approve harvesting from this corpse. And by the way, they have all these numbering systems and stuff like that. So there's traceability that this blood goes with this, Mm -hmm. you know, cadaver. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they find out that that's not matching up. So that really is the nail in the coffin, which is a terrible... Terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in this case. But um, so that's really where the big problem comes in because they are lying to the processors to get them to accept bone and tissue from unscreened specimens, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is when I start, no, the whole time I kind of have problems with Michael, but he starts talking about. And it might have been earlier that he's mm-hmm. like, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, we knew that if there were a problem, they would let us know or they wouldn't buy more from us. Right. Or we knew that they would clean it up and so it wouldn't be an issue later on, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And he makes a comment about, you know, all these really smart people make these rules and I'd like to have a conversation with these really smart people. And I all I could think of is, of course, you're so much fucking smarter than everybody else that you just could get around all of this because you knew better. Of course. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's how this always works. Again, this is an example where you want a regulated environment if this is going to go into Mm -hmm. your body. And these rules are in place for a reason. And you must adhere to them Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's problematic and it can, you know, seriously affect people's lives. So he, of course, is coming Mm -hmm. in with like, I'm 
I'm better than all of you guys and I'm relying on this one step of cleansing the tissue and really we don't have to worry about anything else. But I, again, I come back like there's a lot of assumptions there. A lot of these things are in place to catch, you know, if it's missed at a different step. I know, but it's tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then you're like, oh, he's kind of the worst. It's kind of a douche. Yeah. yeah. He uh, changes his plea to guilty right before the trial. And his comment was, I decided to plead guilty because we we're going to go to trial and I had had enough. Like he was tired. And I'm like, or you realized you were going to fucking yep, lose? You were caught, brother. Probably. Yeah. You couldn't. Um, you were mm-hmm. out of you were out of options. So he comes from the school of deny, deny, deny until you can't deny anymore. And that's when you change your plea and mm-hmm. don't try to sell it like it's just the right thing to do. Mm, no, thanks. So. Right. And. I love that Mario was like, well, Michael set out to help people. And then, you know, his ambition got the best of him. But I feel like if you're setting up a tissue donation bank in a funeral home, you probably don't have the best intentions, period. Because at that point, again, they're probably delayed. They probably haven't been either stored correctly or it's much past the 48 hours where it's really viable to Mm -hmm. use these tissues and Really, at a funeral when you're going to ask for consent, I mean, I feel like that's, I don't know. Nothing about it sounds good to me. I don't know. Well, you're seeing people at their absolute worst. So we were talking earlier Mm -hmm. about a a funeral director that's helping people make arrangements. And I can imagine that good soft skills are really a must at this point. But, you know, people are vulnerable right now. And that's a tough time. And I think it would be easy to take advantage of people. Or in this case, if you didn't get the answer that you wanted, I mean, cause like I said, the clock is running <laughs> against you, you anyway. um, if you're, yeah. you know, doing some tissue banking. So yeah. Yeah. And there's no regulation. So nobody's checking yeah. up on you. So yeah. A successful person an ambitious person could just do whatever they wanted. I mean, they have some regulations written down, but it requires you to follow them. And I don't know, our regulatory bodies actually giving a shit and auditing. I don't know. Yeah. And so Lee and Mike talk about they were forging signatures. I mean, that's probably where it started going bad. <laughs> they just kind of went off the rails right. and did whatever they wanted to. So that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So Michael was sentenced to 18 to 54 years in jail. Mm-hmm. Lee gets nine to 24 years. Again, he's sort of a, a henchman and enforcer, <laughs> not the mastermind, but still. <laughs> the Igor right. of the situation, yeah. if you yeah. will. So I don't know. But they discussed that Michael made millions. His assistants made a couple hundred thousand a year. The funeral directors made a thousand dollars per body. Mm-hmm. So this is a process that everyone allowed to happen because everyone was making good money, yep. including the processing facilities. Everyone was making money off of yes. it. Yes. Some follow-up stuff that they list at the end was that there have been 14 convictions in New York and Pennsylvania for illegal harvesting, kind of in connection with this case. Let's just say it that way. Mm-hmm. There are also 900 recipients bringing civil suits against the processors, purchasing from biomedical tissue services, which was Michael's company. So, I mean, it was widespread. Mm-hmm. And then RIT maintains sterilization, cancels out any chance that diseases are transmitted. And most claims are settled out of court, including one that's brought by Dana Ryan. So. Mm -hmm. And they were never prosecuted. Yes, exactly. That was the last thing I had as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, I do have one more nugget. 
conveniently, biomedical tissue destroyed all their documentation. So Dana doesn't really know some of the stuff, you know, that was involved with her case because there are no records of who, who that donation came from and stuff like that. So yeah, how convenient. Guess he did know how to use a shredder after all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this is a tough one. It is frustrating. Cause like you said, if you're just taking body parts, I don't agree with it. I understand it's wrong. You shouldn't take from people who haven't given consent, Mm -hmm. but you know, once you get to the point where you're skipping over steps and not properly processing things, Mm -hmm. then it's a health concern for those who are still living. That's a, that's a serious problem. Right. Cause it removes this whole, like for the good of mankind justification, right? So now you're creating more problems for people downstream and you, you don't have that to fall back on. Mm -hmm. It's about greed. It's about money. And it's about, uh, we thought we could get away with it, which is gross. Yeah, it is. I like that Michael said at the end, you know, the truth comes out, you know, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> it did. I mean, I don't wish bad on anybody, but I'm not in control of karma. It happens like that sometimes, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's right. So, right. Mm-hmm. But thanks again to mm-hmm. Megan who recommended this. I think she's the top of our recommendation list because she's proven well. She's done good. Yep. She's got some good choices. Yeah. <laughs> this was creepy. And uh, I was a little upset because she did not warn me about the graphic content. There was some graphic <laughs> content and I was getting ready to eat and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, the one part so... looks like they're shaping a snow cone and you're like, you know, it's just Ooh, really gross. Bone. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Oh, that's rough. And I do, I deal with blood and plasma and, and urine. I deal with these things every day, but that, I can't. But you have expectation. You know, like, you're mentally prepared. Mm. You're not, like, sitting down yeah. eating spaghetti or whatever when you watch yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the second or third time that I've been like, damn it, why do I always try to eat when I'm watching these things? I should know better. I know. Yeah. This I know. Good. Okay. Okay. So, what are we doing next week? Okay. So, next week, we're going to do one called The Janes. This one's on HBO Max. Just recently released in 2022. Run about an hour and 41 minutes. And this is a story I don't know either. It's about a ring of women, I believe, that were providing safe abortions back in the day when this was not an option for people. Yeah, I think they were just helping women get the health services they needed. Yeah. So feels timely. Right. Right. <laughs> Considering everything we're going through right now. Yes. Yes. Getting ready to go through. Yeah. So please rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Go Doc Yourself. And we'd always welcome comments, questions, recommendations if you want to get on our good recommenders list. Mm -hmm. And thanks for joining (laughs) us today. Short list. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye.